We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Fix. For some good lead in music. Good evening, KMOX at your service on a Tuesday night, 10.06. I'm George Sells. The thing I will always remember about that song, One Thing Leads to Another by The Fix, which that goes back to my high school days. I'll date myself here. Yes, I'm old. I was around when that, I was actually alive and breathing when that song was current. My children enjoy laughing about these things. But the Fix at one point was doing one of those, you know, sort of Jurassic Rock tours where the band gets back together and takes it out on the road uh, and plays casinos and nightclubs and whatnot. And I was working at Channel 2. And anybody who's ever seen the morning show on Channel 2, uh, it is it is a three-ring circus. There's stuff happening all over the station. And, you know, Tim Izell's running around, jumping on top of cars and you also, you know, bringing camels into the newsroom and just, it's crazy. It, and they'd use, because that building was not really built to be a television station out there in Maryland Heights. Uh, it, it was more of an office park kind of set up. They use every ounce of space they've got in that building for something TV related. So I'm coming into work one morning and I walk in the front door and am immediately shushed. And I look up, they were, they, this was on live, they were, they were shooting this. The Fix is in the lobby playing that song. It's like, when I was 17 years old, I paid, you know, 20 bucks. And these were 1987 20 bucks, which were, you know, when you're a teenager, is a lot of money. I paid that to, to go see that band play at uh, Detroit, Michigan's version of Riverport. And now I'm walking into my office and seeing these guys set up and playing that song in front of the reception desk. It was good stuff. Those were those were the things that, that made working over there a lot of fun. So that was that was a lot of <laughs> that was a good one to see. So that's my little side conversation about the fix. And if you've got a favorite 80s band, favorite concert memory. From back in those days. That, that's always fun to talk about. I always love looking for people's concert memories. If you got a good one, give us a call. 314-436-7900. We'll spend our last hour talking a little bit about music if we have the time. 314-436-7900 is the number to call. 800-925-1120 here at KMOX. Start this hour talking about more vaccine mandates. 
we've been hearing, of course, about the ones locally, and the newest one that's going to be, impact a lot of people locally uh, came out of Seattle, where the Boeing Corporation has now given its employees until December 8th to get vaccinated or risk losing their jobs. Uh, you know, they're, they're not playing around with that. And that's uh, here's where we stand with a lot of this stuff and where, where it's getting very complex uh, is particularly when you get into big corporations, multi-state conglomerates uh, just because you've got so many different sets of rules. You've got so many different sets of ideas about, you know, about vaccination. You know, we've, you talk to uh, the folks who are in the medical field and they will tell you that one of the most difficult things about this whole process is how politicized the concept of a vaccination has become. When we all would get a chicken pox vaccine when we were a kid, and nobody bat an eyelash over it. Uh, we gave those vaccinations to our children. and But now all of a sudden, because this perfect storm of pandemic and visceral politics and all this kind of swirled up at the same time, it's become a political thing. So you've got Boeing announcing that and they're sure to face pushback uh, in a number of places. They may get some of it here. They'll certainly get some of it if they have any operations in Texas because the governor of Texas has decided that he can order that no mandate like that can be put in place by a corporation in Texas. Tell me that one's not going to court. I mean, people like the governor of Texas, our attorney general here in Missouri, to be quite frank, who is suing everybody in a mask, it seems like. Uh, the, the, the big law firms out there must just be licking their chops when they see these guys coming. <laughs> because it's like, Anytime anybody is trying to do anything involving masking, vaccines, any kind of health rules, health orders, uh, as we try to kind of put an end to this pandemic, if we can get there, uh, you know, there, there's somebody waiting to run to court and file a lawsuit. So you've got that going on in Texas. The Southwest Airlines issues have been interesting as well. First of all, the airline has put their mandate in and they're basically saying we're not interested in what you have to say to the governor of Texas. So there's another lawsuit that's going to be coming because they are a Texas-based corporation and they are putting that in place. There are also a lot of people who think that that vaccine mandate is the reason that we were hearing about all these Southwest flights getting canceled over the last few days. Southwest has not confirmed that as of what I – as of last I saw, they they blamed it on weather and which there was some weather. So you know, we saw that my Halloween decorations all blew over. We got a piece of that weather um, and a lot of people had it a lot worse. I'm not discounting that. But there are there are folks who believe that that may have been some kind of an organized thing among one or the other unions with Southwest because let's face it, it's not like Southwest to be the center of the mess with the airline industry. Southwest usually has it pretty much together. You know, JetBlue gets almost gets put out of business by a Brooklyn ice storm one year. Uh, you know, you expect that United, God knows they've had their problems. They're always 
you know, ripping angry passengers off planes or duct taping them to their seats. But, you know, Southwest manages to stay clear of all this kind of stuff for the most part. And all of a sudden, Southwest is in, you know, this latest bit of controversy. And again, it's unclear if that had anything to do with anything, but it does make you wonder if Southwest is having problems, if this wasn't something to do with that. Meanwhile, they're also in a fight with the governor of Texas over his vaccine mandate. Uh, Interestingly, you know, as we start to look for results from some of these mandates, uh, the medical community here in St. Louis, you know, BJC, among others, issued vaccine mandates for their folks a while back. They were among the first to do it. And now that they've passed their deadlines and have, you know, can basically look at their results, they're saying that pretty much everybody one got a vaccine. So, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the so-called vaccine hesitancy, it, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and diss on everybody who has concerns, hesitancy. There's a difference between hesitancy and refusal though. Someone with hesitancy can educate themselves and maybe get past the hesitancy. Refusal is a different animal altogether. So I just want to, clarify that but uh you know the the folks who are who are coping with, with with this hesitancy when they got to the point that their job was in jeopardy you know it, it came down to like brass tacks so to speak and it was okay you can in this corner stand by what you say is your reason for not getting a vaccine or over in this corner, welcome to lose your job and be on the unemployment line. And when it came down to that, apparently a lot of people finally made the decision that uh, my family's more important. My income's more important, the roof over my head, the food in my stomach. Now, some people I know have felt that they were sort of arm twisted into that, but you know, sometimes, uh, what's the old saying? You got to do what you got to do. There are a lot of businesses out there that feel like they did what they had to do. Uh, you, certainly the medical community is one place to start on that. Uh, you know, school systems dealing with it, among others. So that's what this, that's what this is all shaping up as, is one big argument, one big court battle. And the hope is that folks are going to be able to kind of get through this in a civil manner, and hopefully the lawyers won't won't feast on it too too much. It's ten sixteen on KMOX. All the news and all that matters to you. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Ten twenty on KMOX. It's KMOX at your service on a Tuesday night. I'm George Sells with you for the rest of the hour. We were talking about those vaccine mandates in our last segment and how they're getting more and more complicated, particularly with multi-state companies, because you get different states trying to put in different rules, and then you have a federal law or a federal mandate overarching that and 
who's takes precedence where. And you're, you're dealing with the same sort of thing uh, in many places uh, with mask mandates. That tends to be more on the state level. And uh, Carl is on the line with us, wants to talk about that. Carl, welcome to KMOX. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I just, I just find it extremely hypocritical for the governor of Florida to sit back and say he believes in the, that the vaccine is a good thing. He believes that it's effective. But he wants to give everybody in his state the choice of getting the health care. Yet, at the same time, they're saying, sorry, if you're a woman, you can't have an abortion. And I'm not trying to bring the abortion debate in. I'm just trying to point out the hypocrisy behind their thinking. I'm sorry, the vaccine will dissipate from your body within three to four weeks after you get it. A vaccine is not something that stays in your body forever. It teaches your immune system to fight the disease. These people who are hesitant about getting it because they don't know the long-term effects or whatever, it, 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 they need to kind of begin to really look into it and not listen to the quacks on the Internet. And this governor down there in Texas just blows me away with his, his hypocrisy behind who he, who he thinks could do what and who he, can, who think, who he thinks he can tell about their own body and health decisions. It well, just it just drives me insane. Well, what you're seeing uh, from those governors is, yeah, quite frankly, uh, the 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 first uh, volleys of a of a presidential campaign. Yeah, these are these are people who are going to try to, and you know, we're we're seeing it with Josh Hawley here in Missouri as well. Uh, and I didn't really mean for this to go off on a political tangent. I'm not going to take us completely there, but you know, let let's at least all kind of be honest about what we're seeing here. And these are these are Repu- Republicans with fairly big names in that party who are trying to get a foothold with the the Trump base, basically, as they move right. forward into election season. And they're doing it by jumping in uh, into the the whole COVID-19 situation much in the same way the former president did. And the unfortunate thing about that is when, yeah, going way back into that administration, when they started putting this into a political context, instead of a public health emergency context, uh, they, there, there is no doubt in my mind, I will go to my grave believing that this pandemic has been far longer and far deadlier than it would have or should have been because it was politicized and, quite frankly, effectively politicized by the, the Trump administration. And, yeah, no, we're, we're still see- and we're still seeing it today. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And, the, and this, our, our attorney general here in the state of Missouri, the fact that the Republicans believe in local control, yet he's trying to force local school boards by filing lawsuits that are costing us tax dollars, our tax dollars towards lawsuits against our school districts that we have our kids in to try to keep them from doing mask mandates. But I'm sorry if, I, if I'm a teacher, I want every kid in the building to have a mask on because and you said you you work in the St. Louis Public School District. Um, I, I would hope your every kid in the building is wearing a mask because they may not be as affected by our long term uh, uh, problems with COVID, but they are carriers and they can easily carry because they don't 
sanitize their hands on a regular basis. They don't cover all the costs. And and if I were a teacher, I would I frankly walk out if the school board didn't demand masks for all the kids. Which is, yet he's suing everybody. And like yeah. You say, he's and- making- and you're seeing it again, and you're you're seeing different approaches. To that I can tell you to answer your question in in the district in this district where I work, the St. Louis Public Schools, everybody is wearing a mask. The kids are all wearing masks, and even the uh, you know I work in the administration building, and if you're up from your desk walking around, you better be in a mask, and you will get called out if you are not. So that that's how it's being approached there, uh, and that and some of that's just you know going along and going in with uh, with with city rules but it's funny you mentioned the thing about kids wearing masks uh and this goes back to remember that book everything i need to know i learned in kindergarten yeah was popular back in the day well this is kind of a a 21st century version of that because i gotta tell you you walk into a kindergarten class in our district, in any district, and I, I've I've been in some kindergarten classes in other school districts as well, uh, through different uh, work opportunities I've had, and those little five-year-old kids do a better job of putting on that mask and keeping it on and wearing it the way they're supposed to and not moaning and groaning about it than any set of adults I've seen yet. Well, and most of pediatricians will tell you that the kids love the mask because they can express their personality. There's some kids wearing a Superman mask or a Spider-Man mask, and they love the idea of wearing that to kind of show their thing. Now, I'll admit that you don't necessarily get to see their facial expressions as much as you would like to, but I'm sorry, in this situation, I would rather see a kid in a Superman mask and being happy that he's wearing Superman or the girls wearing little pink flowers or whatever because they enjoy wearing it and they're learning how to keep themselves healthy. And you're right. You learn it in kindergarten and you've not been pre-taught that, oh, this is going to be a headache and a hassle. Like the parents are seeming to think it's a headache and a hassle. I've worn a mask. I work in healthcare, and I've worn a mask since March 13th of 2020. And, and everywhere I go, I don't care if they've dropped the mask mandates or whatever. It's just common sense that I'm going to protect other people. Our flu, they're expecting a scary flu season this year because the people are are resisting masks as much as they are. And RSV and kids, they, <laughs> the numbers last year were unbelievably low. Now, I'll admit there's been a lot less contact between kids, but that shows you that that's what we need to do to stop this pandemic. And I honestly don't think as long as we have these hesitant people and these anti-maskers, um, out there that will ever get rid of this. Um, there's new variants, and this, this this virus can create new variants and everything if we don't put to a stop. So I uh, just I, it's one of those I things. Know. I think that you know the 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 federal mandate. Uh, I've heard you know plenty of conversation about that, and the the medical folks talk about the possibility of as many as a hundred million people being impacted by that the federal that federal vaccine mandate and if most of those people get the vaccine that that that's one of those things that can go a long way in the direction of knocking this thing down once and for all and obviously you know we've seen this movie before unfortunately we've gotten to those points where we feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel and then you know here comes something else and so now obviously as we move toward 
the uh, holiday season yet again. Uh, you know, the, the prayer is that this time, maybe finally, <laughs> we can get to a place where some of this stuff will fi- will finally die down, stay down, and, and we can start getting back to something resembling normal lives. But I, I think it's clear if you're listening to the experts and you're li- listening to the people that are not worried about politics, they're just worried about people and people's best interests and people's health. If you listen to those folks, it, it is abundantly clear that the more people that get vaccinated, the better chance we have to finally knock this down. Masks and stuff as well, but the vaccination is really the the key cog to the whole thing. And, and now with word that ages 5 to 11 could be getting vaccinated possibly as soon as by the end of this month. And uh, yeah, that's something, that's a big piece of news. Start getting those kids vaccinated. You eliminate more carriers and, you know, maybe just maybe, we're finally getting some light at the end of the tunnel, but people need to put their politics away and start working together uh, if we're going to knock this thing down. Carl, we appreciate your call. I'm up against the clock. It is 1030. You're listening to KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Your home of the Billikens, Chiefs, and Cardinals. I like sports. Listen to sports. America's Sports Voice. KMOX. And we're back. KMOX at your service on a Tuesday night. I'm George Sells with you up until 11 o'clock. Of course, all the talk for the last year and a half or so has been COVID-19. And here in the St. Louis area, we have been really, really fortunate to have the Metropolitan Pandemic Task Force keeping an eye on things, continually updating people on things. And Dr. Clay Dunnigan, who is the BJC Chief Clinical Officer and the acting head of that task force, is joining us now. Kind of you to join us, doctor. I know you're doing lots and lots of these. You must be getting tired of doing interviews at some point. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's all good. I'm happy to help. The big news, I saw a little bit of your briefing this afternoon, and it looks like the big news to start with is we are seeing a downward trend in our area once again, finally. That's right, George. We're, we're regional case rates are down more than 40% from their August high, and our hospital admissions are down nearly 50%. So that's really good news. Uh, but the caveat is we're still seeing cases at about five times the rate we did in, in June. Hospitalizations are about two and a half times what they were. So we've got, we've got a ways to go. 
And you say a ways to go, and I assume that uh, the biggest thing we're working on here, the biggest thing that we've got to be cognizant of is vaccination at this point. Is that is, is that kind of where your emphasis is? I mean, everybody is sort of doing social distancing almost naturally now. Masks, obviously, they're out there. There is some debate over them, depending on where you are and who you ask. But uh, do you consider the vaccination piece of this to be your primary thing right now? Um, that's right. You know, the distancing and masking has always just been a temporary aid to trying to keep things at bay while we build up the uh, level of immunity in the population. Vaccination is definitely the way to get a firm handle on this for the long haul. Uh, whether people have been sick with COVID or not, vaccinating uh, consolidates the immunity and makes them much more resistant to future infections or for serious consequences. That's really got to be the focus for from now and uh, until we get to past the uh, pandemic. And that's the one question you hear people a lot saying, "Oh, wait, I'm already I've already had COVID. I don't need to be vaccinated." You're saying that's not the case. No, um, it's it is true that some people who have COVID will have long lasting immunity. At least that's the way it looks so far. But the response of the immune system to natural infection is much more variable than the response to vaccination. So we can't be sure when someone's had COVID whether they remain uh, resistant for a long period of time. And in fact, we, we know people can get second bouts. Um, we also know that if you give a vaccination to someone who has had COVID, it really amps up their immunity and gives them very robust protection. So we, we're recommending vaccination for everyone, regardless of their history of COVID. Now, speaking of those vaccination recommendations, a couple of things going on uh, very much in the news and will continue to be in the near term. For starters, a a number of major businesses requiring COVID vaccinations. Uh, I actually, I work for St. Louis Public Schools. We're one of those groups that is is requiring them. And uh, you also hear about the, the, the mandate sent down from Washington and we're getting in the direction of those deadlines. How much can this help? How much do you think that this is a positive uh, moving forward? I think it's a tremendous help. The last estimate I saw was that as many as 100 million people might be uh, subject to those uh, requirements. And that would go a long way to shoring up some of the gaps that we have in vaccine coverage. In our own experience in in the four health systems that are part of the pandemic task force, while we had a lot of um, anxiety about it out of the out of the gate, we really have been able to get through this uh, pretty seamlessly. And I, I think we, we're seeing the evidence in our own workforce of decreased rates of infection. Um, so I, I think it will be a big help. What are you seeing along the lines of vaccine hesitancy? That's That's got to be a big concern. It's still out there in a variety of different ways, uh, rural communities and urban communities alike. What... Obviously, we keep talking about educate, educate, educate. What do you see maybe beyond that as what we can do to get around this? And do you, th- do you see it maybe going away a little bit? There certainly has been a shift. There are fewer people who are vaccine hesitant than at the beginning. Uh, we Again, we've been able to see it somewhat in our own workforce, but also in other places. I think the, the Delta variant caused such havoc in the population, caused so many people to be hospitalized and deaths in, in even younger populations than we saw in the first waves that uh, a number of people um, came around to the idea that a vaccine and the protection it would promise was a lot less risky a proposition than 
than taking a chance with COVID. So um, those who were waiting to see if the vaccine was effective and waiting to see if there might be long-term consequences, I think those data are in, and many people went ahead and made their choice to get vaccinated. We're still seeing you know, misinformation that's affecting people's choices, whether it's um, the misinformation about it affecting fertility or potentially harming pregnancies. Those things have clearly not turned out to be the case. And in fact, um, if you are a pregnant woman uh, and haven't been vaccinated, that should be a first order of business. It's just uh, been very discouraging to see pregnant women have complications and uh, some have even lost their their babies or their lives during pregnancy. Um, there's also the unfortunate political overtone. And, um, you know, we just got tangled up early on with the, with the alignment of vaccination with uh, political orientation. And that has really done everyone a big disservice. Uh, so, but there's still some of that, uh, that hanging around. On the misinformation front, does that just make you mad sometimes? I mean, do you not want to reach through the Facebook screen and just smack somebody once in a while? Well, <laughs> it does get frustrating. And, uh, you know, we in healthcare, we take care of everyone, no matter what their belief system is or, or what, what they think. But um, it's very hard when you see 75% of the people in the hospital, 80% um, who have COVID are unvaccinated, and you see um, unvaccinated people getting into the intensive care unit, lining up on ventilators and dying. It's very hard to, to look at that, understand that there's a high likelihood those deaths would have been prevented if people had only been willing to get vaccinated. So, um, so it's it's an emotional roller coaster for for many of us in healthcare to to see this unfortunate calamity unfold. As a physician, you've got to see that fairly regularly. The 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 family member or even the patient who, you know, the regrets go to a point of you know, please, please, begging, can you can you vaccinate me now? I've heard those stories. Have you seen that yourself? Um, yes. And, and again, you know, it's, it's heart-wrenching, uh, misunderstanding of how vaccines work and what they can do and when. Um, and there, there are some patients who stay resistant to the end who, who, for whatever reason, don't believe COVID is real or that it's part of some, um, some other sort of plot. But there are many people who I think just didn't believe that COVID could be that severe. They were healthy and they thought they would do fine. And then when they're in the midst of what really can be a very serious illness, start to realize the, the uh, consequences of the decision they've made. But when you're in the, in, in the hospital, very sick, uh, potentially on a ventilator, you know, it's too late to make that choice. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that we're all seeing. Tell me this. Uh, my, I've got a 12-year-old to 16-year-old. They both were ready to go get vaccinated the day they were eligible. How long until we see 5 to 11-year-olds? I know that Pfizer has talked about, uh, you know, they've made the application to the government for this to, to be approved. What are you hearing through the grapevine amongst those who are kind of running these efforts as far as when we can realistically see this happening? The FDA is supposed to hear advice from their um, advisory committee uh, a little bit later this month. And I think right on the heels of that, just as happened with the licensing of the Pfizer vaccine, we'll see the CDC convene their advisory group 
to um, to look through the FDA recommendations and make a decision. I suspect that uh, by the end of October or early in November, we'll get the go-ahead to start vaccinating uh, kids that are in the 5 to 11 age range. So that um, would, and that'll be welcome news. Yeah. And that would mean it would be, it's there's a legitimate possibility then that we could have uh, kids of that age group fully vaccinated by Christmas time. Absolutely right. And that would be a, that'd be a great gift because I think that would take a lot of pressure off of, of people trying to figure out how to manage through the holidays. Well, that's a big piece of news there. Final question for you, doctor. When am I going to get to stop wearing this mask in public? <laughs> when can I take <laughs> that's the question that's everybody wants to know. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, it's you don't always have to have a mask on outside. Certainly when you're not in uh, in with other people and you're just enjoying the outdoors, of course, you don't need a mask. And if you are, you know, at a small backyard barbecue with people, you know, are vaccinated, you don't need a mask for that. It's really when you get into situations where there may be people who are, are ill, uh, who don't, whose vaccine status is unknown. Um, so a, an outdoor crowd or when you get indoors, um, we're seeing rates head down pretty quickly. We don't want to pull the trigger too soon on taking those restrictions off. But I'm really thinking that over the next 30 to 60 days, we'll get a good sense of whether rates are going to continue down, in which case we, we, uh, we may be able to set our uh, masks aside by, say, the end of the year, or whether the winter is going to provoke another turn up where we need to keep, uh, keep the mask going for a while. But I think right now um, we, the safest thing is for us to continue. Uh, we're, we are seeing a downturn, but um, it is possible for us to, to lose a grip and see rates turn back up if we're not careful. So got to be careful, but maybe, just maybe, some light at the end of the tunnel. Dr. Clay Dunnigan. Absolutely. Dr. Clay Dunnigan, BJC Chief Clinical Officer, Acting Head of the St. Louis Metropolitan Pandemic Task Force. Thank you so much for taking some time and joining us on KMOX. Happy to do it. Thank you for having me. And it's 1046. KMOX is at your service. Work or play? KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. Ten fifty one on KMOX. I'm George Sells. A couple more minutes here to wrap things up. Got some TV screens in the studio here and uh, playoff baseball on one, hockey on the other. It's that time of year again. This is opening night of the NHL season. Don't ask me to explain or even to understand why the Blues don't play until Saturday when they're opening hockey season tonight, but... You know, TV probably has something to do with it. And they, of course, want to showcase. Tonight they're showcasing two games. They showcase the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning raising the banner. Lightning then did what champions who raise the banner always do. They lost. And then uh, they're showcasing the Seattle Kraken. That is, I love that name. I don't know. It's just, Release the Kraken. It just it's got it's cool, <laughs> it's got, and the logo is cool. It's this big serpent. It's an S, but it, well, for Seattle, but it's this big serpent-looking thing. They've got they've got some cool things going on, though. Uh, Mike Anderson points out that the, their arena they're going to be playing in, their Kraken home games in. Uh, I don't think that they foresaw in the market marketing plan fans starting to call it the Crack House. <laughs> but you know what are you going to do? You can't have everything. Uh, I bring all, I bring up the hockey stuff because of where I am watching it. 
Uh, it's on ESPN. And why do you care what network the hockey game's on? I just want to watch the Blues. Well, here's why. The better hockey is, the more popular hockey is, the more into it nationally that hockey is, uh, the the better it is for St. Louis and for the Blues because ESPN, and it shows the power of the network really, when ESPN has a sport and they throw the weight of the ESPN networks behind it and the ESPN brand and, and all things total sports, uh, it just gives the sport a little more legitimacy. And there are still plenty of parts of this country where hockey is viewed as kind of a regional thing. It's like Cardinals win the World Series. You can go anywhere in America and talk about the Cardinals winning the World Series. Blues win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you know, my dad lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I can tell you that hockey highlights make the news in Baton Rouge, Louisiana once a year. They'll show about 10 seconds of one play from the game that clinches the Stanley Cup. And that's it. It's 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 irrelevant. So ESPN being back on the scene is going to put hockey back in front of more people. I think it's good for the game. And because it's good for the game, it's good for the Blues. And if it's good for the Blues, it's good for St. Louis. And that I realize that's kind of a, a stretch or kind of a reach in the eyes of some maybe. But it it's just cool when things that we have that are succeeding in our town are being talked about in other places. And, and, and this is not, this is not limited to sports. Uh, this goes to, you know, we want to have the hot bioscience field. We want to have the emerging tech. We want to be the town that people are talking about. Like, yeah, there's San Francisco and there's Austin and then there's, and there's another name that gets plugged in there seemingly every year. We want to be that. We want to be all those things because in a global economy, uh, you want to be on the brain of people outside of your little bubble that you live in because that is what causes activity. Companies move. People move. Things happen that – draw attention to a place and allow it to take the things that are great about it and sometimes make them a little bit better. Can't beat that. So, yes, I will take the leap that ESPN having hockey is somehow good for St. Louis. And I will leave you with that rather oddball observation. I'm George Sells. Thanks for joining us. Good night. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.